Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. So I gotta, I gotta jump in real quick. I've got 31 minutes and six seconds to share the word of the Lord with you. Are you ready? All right, go ahead and lean in. Um, John chapter 10 and verse three, this is where we have started. It's been our key verse. It says, and, and I want you to know that Jesus often spoke in metaphors as he is speaking here right now. Come on, Jesus is the shepherd and we're the sheep. Somebody say, I'm a good sheep right? He's the shepherd. And, and he's talking about the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. All right. So it says this, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. I want you to know that God's always speaking. And, um, we've already, you know, come to this conclusion, but if we're not hearing what it is that the Lord is saying, it's not that he has a speaking problem, it's that we have a hearing problem, okay? And that's why we are challenging people to lean in. And so the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep out by name and he leads them out. When he has brought them, you know, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, somebody say that they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. And so our goal in and through this series is to help you to learn to distinguish between the voice of God and all the other voices that are, that are, that are, that are in your head and out there right now right? You've got to be able to, like, if you're going to follow the Lord, you need to learn to distinguish God's voice amongst all the other voices. And so in week one, we talked about the importance of a prepared heart whenever it comes to hearing God. In week two, we talked about how God speaks to me. There's 7 billion people on the planet. First of all, that he would want to speak to any of us is pretty remarkable, but of those 7 billion people coming to a place of realizing that, hey, listen, God wants to speak to me. Like, who am I? But, but, but he does. He wants to speak to you. He desires to speak to you. Week three, we talked about the still small voice and, and how the prompting, you know, comes from the, the inside. Like, I have talked to people that have heard the audible voice of God, the external voice of God. I have never I've never experienced that before. I've never heard the audible voice of God. I don't know what I would do if I heard the audible voice of God. I would definitely pay attention. I guarantee you that. But I'm telling you that the Lord speaks to me in that still small voice. Like I have heard the voice of the Lord so much. I know that I know that I know when it's God and when it's not. Right? And so we talked about that last week. Today... We're going to answer the question, how do I know that it's God and not the devil? Or how do I know that it's God and not me? Or, or it's God and, and, you know, just having an upset, upset stomach. And so the title of today's message is Knowing and Recognizing God's Voice. Knowing and Recognizing God's Voice. I remember when we were getting ready to move to Rupert. 
to come and pastor this church. And uh, we didn't do this. We didn't do this lightly. We didn't, you know, we, I can just tell you this. I wasn't looking to move to Rupert. I'm thankful I moved to Rupert, but I'm telling you, that's not what I was. That wasn't even on the radar. And, and so, and so after we had gone through the multiple steps that my wife and I had, um, that's something floating around on the inside. After we had gone through, you know, the steps, throwing our fleece before the Lord and I'm going to catch it here in a little bit. You know, we knew for a fact that we were called to come here. And, and I had, so we were at a church called, well, we had a, we were at a church that we had been to for a long period of time. And there was an elder in the church. He was a pastor. And sometimes God would use him to, to move in the, in the prophetic. And, uh, but, but he was a pastor. He was an elder. He was much, much older than I, probably by 30 years older than, than I am. And, um, and he had, yeah, thank you so much. It was so far, so close, but so far. I was like, I was like, how do I thank you? We'll just wash it down. Um, so we know we're supposed to, you know, to come here and he pulls me off to the side after we had already made the, the decision. And, and he, he begins to share that, that, you know, Travis, you guys are, you know, I've, I've spent some time in prayer and you guys are not supposed to move to Rupert. Uh, and, and not only did he, did he, did he, uh, you know, did, he just didn't stop at that. He went on to say and explain how we're kind of, uh, you know, youthful uh, and and progressive and 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 just kind of, you know, just think differently. And he he went on to say that that mindset is not going to work good to in the church that you're that you're that you're going to. And so I just kind of smiled and I and I listened and and I politely at the end of it shared with him, you know, I I love you and I appreciate you. But I believe on this situation, in this matter, you have not heard from God. And that was very difficult for me to share with a pastor that had been serving God probably longer than I had been alive or close to um, and, and, and whatnot. But this is the interesting thing is this happened in the church. And I'll just tell you. That I was correct and he was incorrect. I knew and, and we, we were supposed to come here. We are supposed to be here. And he was, and he was, he had missed it on this. But this is what I want you to know. This is another Christian. It's not a non-believer. This is a person that had great tenure with the Lord. Longevity with the Lord. Somebody that had pastored multiple people. Um, and, and, and at times has been used by God in the prophetic. And the prophetic just meaning that God gives insight to certain situations that, that bring, you know, direction and, and correction or instruction and those kinds of things. And so, so 
I can just tell you that I had spent enough time asking the Lord and in prayer with my wife and speaking with my wife and, and knowing that that unity needed to be there. That whenever we came to the point of saying, you know what, we're supposed to go to Rupert, we were in complete unity because we weren't jumping. I wasn't chomping at the bit to go anywhere. I knew that God did, was, was kind of stirring me up that something was going to happen and something was going to change. But I'm just saying I wasn't, I wasn't looking at the first opportunity that presented itself. And, uh, and, and you need to know that, that this happened in the church. And so not everybody that says to you, thus saith the Lord, you need to, you need, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, you, you don't need to pay close attention to it. But just because somebody says, thus saith the Lord, doesn't mean that they're necessarily hearing uh, from God. And so, and so you need to know that. And so, you know, Peter, you know, Jesus is asking Peter, hey, Peter, who do people say that I am? And, and he responds, you know, some people are saying you're like John the Baptist and some people Elijah and this and that. And Jesus says, hey, but who do you say that I am? And, and Peter responds, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. And he said, man, blessed are you, Peter, because no man has taught you this, what you have just, how you've just answered. It comes directly from God. And so he got it right. Somebody say he got it right. And then all of a sudden, about a second later, Jesus is talking about how, you know, I'm going to have to go to my father and, and my time is short and I'm going to, I'm going to die. And, and, and G Peter gets up and all of his, he, he just got it right. And he gets all, you know, all up in Jesus's business and said, you shall never die. And this and that. And next thing you know, a second later, Jesus is saying, get behind me, you know, Satan. And so what do we do when we can get it right and we can get it wrong right after, you know, right after? What do we, what do we do? First John chapter four and verse one says this, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, test the spirits and see whether they are from God. It's amazing to me what people will and, and have announced to me that God told them. God told me to da, da, da. God told me to, you know, to move. God told me to, God told me to not work. God told me, God told me to leave my wife. It's amazing what it is that people, and I've heard that one so many times. God told me to leave my husband. And usually what happens right after that, well, you know, pastor, we didn't really do it right when we got together anyway. I'm like, well, you know, either did I, and I'm going to stay with my wife because God has brought us together. Right? I'm just saying that it's crazy what people will, you know, the God told me, God told me. And, and, you know, well, but if, you know, if, if, it, if it feels right, then it must be right. No, it, it, just because it feels right doesn't mean it's right. And it may feel right for a minute, but it's wrong and it will kill you, right? Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12 says this, there's a way that appears right, but in the end it leads to death. So it appears right, it feels right. It's just, you're not, you're not hearing it from the right spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, you're listening to some other spirit. 
So there's four ways to hear and to know that the voice of God, the voice that you're hearing is from God. Number one is this. This is going to be super elementary, but I still encourage you to take notes because you're going to need this. Because there's going to be a time where you're going to be like, how do I know if I'm hearing from God or not? Be a great opportunity to go back to this. Number one, does it line up with the Bible? The most important thing, does it line, does what you're hearing line up with, with the Bible? Because God's voice will never contradict God's word. God's voice will never contradict God's word. That's why when somebody says, well, God told me not to get a job or not to work. I'm like, come on, man, really? God told me to leave my wife or God told me this or God told me that. I'm like, really? Right? So there were some religious teachers, the Pharisees, and they were testing Jesus. Go ahead and turn your Bible to the book of Matthew chapter 19 and starting in verse 3. These Pharisees were testing Jesus and they came to him and they asked him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Is it lawful? And, and I want to apologize just real quick. I mean, not really, but divorce like gets, it, it just like gets the bad end of the stick. Like it, it, it. God's not for divorce, but God's not for a lot of things. But it seems like every time we have a message like this, divorce is like the key. And so, so I'm not railing on, you know, people that have been divorced. In fact, I will say this clearly that God is not for divorce. God is not for divorce. But I have seen some people that have gone through divorce and surrendered to God and pursued God. And God has blessed, you know, blessed them in second marriage or a third marriage or, you know, sometimes a fourth marriage. Um, but I'm saying that God's not for divorce, but it's not the, it's not the sin of all sins. I mean, sin will destroy you. It will kill you, but there's other sins that, that, that will destroy you and kill you. Like, like divorce isn't like the, the, the king of all sins. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. And so, so I'm not apologizing, but I am saying that every time we have a message like this, like divorce is the, is it just, it's just, it's so easy. <laughs> uh, it's just too easy to talk about. And so, so they come to him to test him. They said, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And Jesus's response is this. Haven't you read? Haven't you, haven't you read Honestly, Jesus is saying, why are you even asking my opinion? Haven't you read it in the Bible? Haven't you read it in, in the scriptures? Haven't you read it already? So you're asking me, but you already know the answer because you've read it in the scripture. Once again, God's, God's voice is not going to contradict his word. What he speaks audibly is not going to contradict what is written down on paper. So he says, haven't you read? And, and, and I think this is so good. I want you just to lean in real quick and look at me just for a second. I think this is so good for the day and the life that we live in because there were some things even in my short life and my, my short time of, of walking with God, there were some things that we used to call sins. That's a sin that we don't call sin anymore. Why that is, I don't know. But this is the deal, is, is that 
you will oftentimes as a Christian and the closer that we come to Christ coming back for his church, you're going to be asked questions like, well, is this a sin or what do you think about that? And I'm just saying this, that first of all, it's, it's a wonderful thing to pause right there and say, why are you even interested in my opinion in this matter? Because haven't you read? Or you could say, if you're speaking to somebody that, that is not read, they've not read the Bible, they don't know anything about it, you could say something simple like this, and I use this often, hey, listen, it really doesn't matter what my thoughts are on it, but the Bible is clear on it. Go ahead and read this passage, and you tell me what you think. You understand what I'm saying? And so this is the same thing that Jesus is doing. It's like, why are you asking me? First of all, he knows that they're testing him. But he's like, listen, you guys are well studied in the word. In fact, you kind of puff up your chest, you know, that you're, you're so smart. And so, you know, you're, you're the religious elite. And he puts it right back on him. Why are you asking me this? Haven't you read? And he refer, he's referring back to the book of, the book of Genesis. And, um, and, and it goes on to say, he starts quoting the book of Genesis. He replied that at the beginning, the creator made male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife and the two will become one flesh, one flesh. So they will no longer be two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Luke chapter 21 and verse 33. It's not on the screen. This is a bonus scripture that I was thinking about. It says this. And though all heaven and earth shall pass away, yet my words remain forever true. And so the problem that we see in the church today, and it's probably been this problem since the beginning of time, is we have people that literally... They call it proof texting, but we will have people that will take a passage of scripture out of the Bible, out of context, and they will, they will build a whole, you know, a, a, a whole idea around that one passage of scripture that is by itself. And this is why we need what's called the full counsel or the whole counsel of God. So when you're reading your Bible, don't just come across the one scripture that talks about the one thing. You need to find other places in the Bible that, that talk about that one thing, that one topic, so that you can get the full or the whole counsel of, of God on that matter. And so, and so it's very dangerous whenever you take one text and then you build, you know, a, a whole idea off of that one text. In fact, this is kind of funny. One pastor, you know, he, he said to another pastor, and this is a joke, so don't throw anything at me. But one pastor said to another pastor, he said, I can prove to you that there won't be any women in heaven. How can you prove to me that there's not going to be any women in heaven, he said, well, you know that, that verse in Revelation where it says that there's going to be 30 minutes of silence in heaven? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and the other person said, well, there's not going to be any pastors in heaven either because you can't keep your mouth shut for 30 minutes. 
And I will add to that, the cooks are out of luck. There is no way that you are going to go to heaven if you are a cook. That group can't keep quiet for nothing. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I think it's interesting that the devil in Matthew, and I believe it's also in Luke, he's tempting Jesus, and he uses the Bible to do it. The devil's tempting Jesus, and he's saying, hey, listen, doesn't the word say? So, the, so he's using the word, come on, to tempt the word. He's using the written word to tempt the living word. How many of you know that Jesus is the living word, Right? I think that that's interesting. And Jesus slams him back by, by responding three times. It is written. It is written. It is written. And so he takes not just one, one passage out of context, but he drives home the fact that it says it here and it says it here and it says it, it, says it here. Number two is this. Will it make me more like Jesus? Like if I do this thing that I want to do, that I feel like I'm supposed to do, is that decision, is that decision going to make me more like Jesus? Will that make me more like Jesus? If I follow through with what I'm feeling, is the end result that I'm going to be more like Jesus? Should I send this email? Should I respond in this manner? Like if Jesus was in this situation, would he handle the situation like I'm getting ready to handle her? Or would he do something completely different? This is a really, really good test to use because everything that God tells you to do, I promise you this, if it's from the Lord, it will look, you will in at the end, look more like Jesus. He is in the business of transforming us into his image and his likeness. That's a good place to say, amen. The more I know God, the more I become like God. This is regeneration. And I can just tell you this, that you cannot, you cannot go through this process of regeneration until you're saved. There's a lot of people that their approach is, is that I need, to, I need to get my act together so that I can start going to church. I need to get my act together so that I can, you know, I can be saved. I'm just telling you this. That's crazy thinking. You come to Jesus with your complete mess, completely broken, completely the way that you are. And, and then you give your heart to Jesus in that way. And then you become the, the, the process, you know, begins to where you become, you, you start to become more like him. All right. But you have to be saved first. Second Corinthians chapter 10, five says this. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And it's our goal here at Grace Church that all of us, right? We always say this, we're broken, but we're getting better. That getting better part is really all about becoming more like him, more like Jesus, right? The old is past and the new is, has become. So somebody might be asking the question, well, how do I know what Jesus would do? I'm a brand new believer. I've, you know, I've not walked with God very long. I, I try to read my Bible and I'm at that stage where it doesn't seem like anything's really making sense. And I'm just saying that if that's you... Keep reading, keep pressing, keep, keep reaching 
And I'm telling you that there's going to be a day where the light just kind of goes on and you're just like, wow, I read that and it really kind of made sense. You know, it kind of, you know, I really feel like, like God showed me some things in and through, you know, the word. And so if you're a young believer and you don't know, let me give you a list to follow. This list is found in James chapter three and verse 17. It says this, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. So listen, if I do this thing that I feel like God is asking me to do, is it going to make me more pure? Right? Is it gonna is it gonna bring me more peace? Am I gonna be you know uh, then peace loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere? And then it says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. It was a guy that um, it was a guy that 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 was in a situation where a bad situation where his wife had cheated on him infidelity. You know, th think about this just for a second. Whenever you, when, when you, um, when you're married, like one person being, being unfaithful, you, you know, to another person, that's a pretty hard thing to get through. But you know, what's cool about this is, is that, oh, it's not cool. It just amazes me. Honestly, there have been a couple scenarios and situations where there's been infidelity uh, one has stepped out on the other, and after the infidelity, the relationship was actually stronger. Makes no sense in our in our ability to understand humanly, but it was stronger after the affair than it was before the affair. And the only reason why is because before the affair, they were taking one another for granted. They were just kind of you know they weren't appreciating one another. Whenever there was a threat that, hey, I may lose what we have here, it actually caused the two to say, you know what? You are the one that I want to be with, and I want what we have, and I'm going to give it more attention, and I'm going to give it more time, and I'm going to work at the relationship you know, better because the threat was present that we can easily lose what it is that we have. And, um, and I think that that's only God, like only God. And so anyway, there was this guy that, that, uh, his wife had, had, had stepped out on, on him and was with another, was with another man. And, and, um, and he went and he got a, you know, proper counsel and, uh, you know, what do I do? What do I do? And, um, and, and some of the people that he was getting the advice from, they were saying, you need to leave her. She's a bum, you know, that, that, that. I mean, just imagine if this was you, this was you, and you were asking everybody in your, in your circle. You're going to get very different opinions. And so anyway, this guy, he went to another pastor and he said, he said, uh, he said, hey, this is the situation and, and the pastor seriously just said, um, you know, what would, what, would, what would Jesus do in this situation? And he said immediately, whenever that question was asked of him, he knew because his mind went to all of the times that Jesus had forgiven him. All of the times that he had been unfaithful, you know, to the Lord, all of the times, and it wasn't once and it wasn't twice and it wasn't 10 times. It wasn't a thousand times. 
It was many times. And so in and through that one question is how do you think, you know, I can't answer this for you, but how do you think that Jesus, what do you think Jesus would have you do in this situation? And because of that, they remain married and their, their marriage is very, very strong today. Come on, somebody. That's pretty incredible, right? Number three is this. Does godly counsel agree? Come on, this guy went and got all kinds of counsel, right? But he finally went to somebody that wasn't going to tell him what, what, you know, their opinion was, but was what, what potentially God's opinion was. And so does godly counsel agree? I'm telling you at times that there's times where I'm rolling out vision and I have some people, for instance, like Bob Dempsey and, and, and other folks that, you know, whenever I feel like, like, you know, I, I, I think we should go in this direction. I will just kind of bounce certain ideas off of people from time to time. I've got a pastoral oversight council and nine times out of 10, it's like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds fantastic. But there have been times where, where there's been like a check in the spirit and it's like, Hey, listen, I don't know about, I don't know about all that. I remember one of the times was whenever, you know, God gave me a vision to, that we needed to build this worship center and we needed to build the, the lobby and we were going to build both. You know, my grandiose idea was let's just do it. God's big. Let's do it all together all at once. And I remember Bob and George Kelly. They were just like, man, we, let's do it. Absolutely. But can we do one at a time? Like, can we start with like pastor? And the way that they handled me was so was so good. They were like, listen, if you, if you could only start with one, what would you start with? And I'm like, Oh, no question. The lobby, we need a place of fellowship. We need a place to gather, to build community. And, 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 and so anyway, they made their idea, my idea real quick like that, you know, but how many of you know that that's godly counsel, right? Not every idea has to be my idea, right? God can use other people's ideas, you know what I mean, to help us to get where it is that, 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 that we're supposed to go. And so we don't trust every spirit, we test every spirit. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of the fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Proverbs 19, 20, listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but the Lord's purpose prevails. And so some people ask for counsel, but they don't like, and we were actually talking about this this morning in our pre-service, uh, you know, kind of meeting. Some people ask for advice, but they, they'll keep asking until they get the advice that supports what it is that they want to do or what it, you know, they have no problem asking, but they'll just keep asking until somebody comes into agreement with them. It was like me last night. My wife was in Idaho Falls doing some shopping with my son's fiance, getting ready for a wedding that's taking place in December. Come on, somebody. Getting these kids married off so we can have more grandbabies. That's what I'm talking about. Woo! Love them grandbabies, right, Tom? Yes, sir. Um, forgot what I was going to say. Oh, I was, so I, went, I was like, you know what? I haven't been eating real well, and, and uh, I need to go to the gym. And so 
I went down to the gym last night, and the gym that I go to is Factory Fitness. It's about 37 and a half miles away from here, it seems like, but it's over off almost 27th in, in Burley. And uh, so I'm driving over there, and, and I do my workout and, and, you know, didn't work too hard, but, but I, I had a great idea. I had a great idea. See, some of you know this about me and others don't, but I love me some ice cream. I love the Dairy Queen. Like the Dairy Queen is, is one of my favorite places on the whole planet. And, um, and so I'm, I, the factory fitness is further than Dairy Queen. So I got to pass Dairy Queen. And so I'm like, I'm like, Lord, I'm just going to believe that if there are, if there's only three cars in line, if, if, if there's only three cars in line, when I pass me the Dairy Queen, then that's like you prompting me to come, to come and get a, and this is what I always get. I get a small peanut butter heat blizzard, and then I get a small cherry dipped cone, and the two smalls only equal a medium. So, so that's, that's, that's what I, that's what I do. I do it all. That's like my go-to. And so I'm like, Lord, you know, I just worked out and if I'm supposed to, then there will only be three cars. Well, so I drive, I drive by and there's like six cars in the parking lot. I'm like, okay, all right, Lord. So I drove around the block and came, <laughs> came and, and, <laughs> and came by it again. And sure enough, man, there was only two cars. So, so, uh, yeah. But see, that's how we do sometimes. We'll like make these, you know, hey, if so-and-so says, and, and then we'll renegotiate and, 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 you know, until we, until we find what it is that we're looking for. Number four is this, and this is the last one. Do I have peace? Do I have peace? And I'm telling you, peace is so important, guys. In fact, I would say that peace is one of the most important uh, overlooked virtues that we can have. See, you don't know how important peace is until peace is gone. And then all you do is you just desire peace to return. And um, I know this, that Christianity is very different than other religions. Other religions, they worship God. But I'm telling you what, as Christians, we house God. Like the Holy Spirit lives and dwells in each and every one of you. And I'm telling you what, he is the Prince of Peace. And so... God's not going to ask you to do something that is going to rob you of your peace. Even the hardest situations that God asks you to do, there's going to be peace in that. In fact, the Bible even calls it a peace that doesn't make sense. Like when you should be bent out of shape and, and upset and going through this tough time, you know, you shouldn't have peace. But God gives you that that peace because the Holy Spirit is in you. First Corinthians 14, 33, for God is not the author of confusion, nor he's the author of peace. He gives us peace, right? I think it's interesting whenever, um, you know, there, there's always going to be a counterfeit. I want you to know this, that typically when God is telling you to do something, a lot of times there's going to be a counterfeit. So I want to take you back real quick to whenever we were coming to Rupert, Idaho. We knew that we were called to come to Rupert, Idaho. At the same time, actually a little bit before, I was, and, and we, were, we were like, this was big, you know, to me, but we were called to go out. There was a friend of mine that I met through Pastor Joe that pastored a church in Yakima and one in Camas. And he flew us out 
to preach at the at the church in Camas, and then we drove three hours, three and a half hours to to preach in Yakima. And this guy flew us out, you know, from Boise, put us up in a nice nice hotel. The church is doing great great things in Camas, and building was paid for, money in the bank, and and um, you know it's 14 miles outside of outside of Vancouver and 14 miles outside of Portland. And so I'm a visionary. I'm thinking we got a lot of people that we can pull from. Plus it's this little small bedroom community, you know, that you can kind of get away from all the crazy. And so I'm thinking, man, in my mind, I'm thinking this is incredible. This is God. And so we go out there and preach and they flew our family out there and took us out to dinner and just really treated us well. And man, we connected with the people very diverse group of people. There was a couple um, African-American ladies that were, there were several of them in the church, but two of them that sat on the front row. And it seemed every time I would say something, man, they were just like, hey, praise the Lord, amen. And I'm like, that made me feel good. (laughs) I'm like, I must be preaching fire this morning. I'm just like, every time I'm just like, man, they just pulled it out of me. And I was loving it. I was just like, man, I really felt, you know, connected. But then at the same time, we were praying about, and there was a lot of things going around that same time about coming to Rupert. So we were praying, we were praying, we were praying. Well, we knew that God had called us to come to Rupert. And so we were here. And wouldn't you know that after we were here just for a few months, the guy even called back again and just said, hey, listen, I really feel like you guys are, the, are, are supposed to come and be the pastors of this Camas church. And I'm just like, man, I really appreciate that. And I really do appreciate it. And I really did feel a connection with the, with the church and the people. But I'm telling you, man, we are exactly where we're supposed to be. We're exactly where we're supposed to be. And I'm just saying that that sometimes it's not the easiest thing to distinguish between this and that. But if you'll work through this and get some counsel and what does the Bible say? And do you have peace? Because this is the deal. If there was, if there was like, say, say we were just going to an area, you know what I mean? To plant a church, there was no building, no people, no nothing. If I was given the opportunity to choose between Rupert, Idaho in Camas, Washington, I guarantee you Rupert, Idaho would be 10 times out of 10. But I started thinking about all of the additional benefits that would come potentially by, by, you know, in my own mind. But I'm telling you what, sometimes your own mind will be the very thing that, that, that causes you to step into something lesser than where God wants you to be. I can't explain that. I, all I know is that you'll, you're just going to need to just be careful whenever you've gotten a couple of decisions and don't get, it, don't get it wrong. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm just going to shut her down right there. You guys appreciate the word of the Lord this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your word. God, thank you, Lord, for this this service and this series, Lord. It's so difficult sometimes to, you know what I mean, to leave a series because 
we started out this series hearing from God from about a 10,000 foot view. And, and I feel like there's been times where we brought it down to ground zero. And I'm just trusting, Lord, that, that somehow, some way through this series, as we continue to think about what we've learned, continue to meditate on your word, continue to, you know, put into action what we've, you know, what we've, what we've received from you through this time together. Lord, I just pray that you would just confirm and reaffirm that you are still speaking and that you will direct the steps of the righteous takes out all the guesswork so God I pray your blessing upon this church and on these people and God more than ever we just desire it's our heart's desire just to be led by you your word talks about how the sheep know the shepherd's voice and they will follow it because they recognize it but they will not follow the voice of a stranger. God, I pray that as the strange voices are speaking, that they would just be like red flags. And it's like, I'm not listening to nothing that you say. Come on, I'm tuned in to the voice of the Lord. I pray your blessing upon this church. And God, as we go further, let us get new vision every single day. If there's something we're supposed to be doing, Lord, speak to us. Let us know and then give us the courage to be obedient in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen and amen. Guys, just real quick, we're going to continue our service, but I do want you to know, I want you to be a part of it um, just by knowing about it. We have four more baptisms in second service today. How cool is that? Four more. We've had baptisms every single week for 32 years now. God bless you. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church. 